0: Welcome to the Macomb Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast, where we connect students and listeners with Israel by discussing and exploring current events and relevant issues. I'm your host, Michael Unterberg, here as always with co-host Alan Goldman. How are you, Alan?
1: Enjoying the change of scenery, though missing Ben's recording studio. Well,
0: I don't know that the listeners will know the difference. Hopefully they won't (laughs) hear that dramatic a difference. We can't record in studio due to some uh, construction work beyond our control. But we have a special guest today to talk about the upcoming UK elections. Alan, would you introduce our guest, please?
1: I'd be happy to. Um, so as Mike said, we're very happy to um, host today Ariye Kovler, who is a Jerusalem-based politics and communications expert, a writer and commentator on global politics. Before his aliyah, he was the head of policy and research at the UK's Jewish Leadership Council and the founding director of the anti boycott Fair Play campaign group. RA was a steering committee member of the Global Coalition for Israel and has advised the Israeli government.
0: Thank Welcome. You. Hi. How's it going? Yeah. So we invited you here today to talk about how wonderful everything is going in the UK, mm. that not only uh, the Brexit is going to turn out well, but, uh, but the upcoming elections are going to be good for everyone, including the Jews. That's, <laughs> that's today's uh, conversation. You can, you can deliver that for us. Ah, uh, you know, I, I mean, if if that's the way we want to take
2: these things, um, I, I, I would say that their life is more complicated than headlines make it seem, and that, um, even in things that maybe seem bad or worrying, there is often good, and maybe we can find that in this conversation.
0: Okay, that'd be great. I would love yeah. to see awesome. a silver lining, <laughs> yeah. and 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 essentially, the the issue that we're most concerned about is the fact that one of England's major parties. Mm has now a history of really dealing with difficult issues of anti-Semitism within the Labour Party. Um, Its leader has chosen not to apologize. They put out a campaign ad, a political ad this week, talking about how all minorities in the UK have to be respected and how the Labour Party will look out for them. And there was one minority that wasn't included. With all this scandal, it was such an easy... Mm just to say something nice about Jews, and they couldn't even do that. So f- is my outsider's perspective that anti-Semitism within Labour is a real problem for British Jews?
2: Yeah, no, I think that that's right. and I and, you know. I think it's very clear that you would see that the vast majority of uh, Jews in the UK, particularly, especially those that are somewhat engaged with their Jewish communities and their Jewish identity, are concerned, um, very concerned, about um, what's happening inside the Labour Party. Um, The way in which they have dealt with their kind of anti-Semitism crisis, I guess you should call it. Um, And instead of making that crisis better and, and dealing with it in a constructive way, have taken steps that have exacerbated it and made it worse over this period of, ooh, must have been coming up to three and a half years now. So 40 you, years that we've been dealing with this.
0: Well, not we don't obviously need a detailed history, but can you give us some background of where this comes from? What within the Labour Party in general, and different members of the Labour Party, and also Jeremy Corbyn in particular, who's the leader of the Labour Party? Can you give us some background of where this anti-Semitism controversy came from? Like, what are the what were the events, or the facts, or the incidents? Okay,
2: so so I I can do that, but you also asked me to keep it brief, and <laughs> yeah, and, and the, the, this is the subject of literal books, Um yeah. and um. So on one leg, um, there's always been uh, inside the British Labour Party an anti-Zionist tendency. Mm -hmm. There's also always been inside the British Labour Party a straightforwardly Zionist tendency. Mm -hmm. Um, And plenty of people in the middle who either like or don't like Israel but wouldn't defy themselves in one camp or the other. Um, The... Leader, current leader of the Labour Party, Jeremy Corbyn, comes from that small far left part of the Labour Party that's really the furthest left wing that was allowed in the Labour Party. People who were further left were literally banned, um, you know, prescribed organizations, um, and who has a long term history of association with um any group that would be perceived as anti Western, he was a fan of. So whether that was you know, most notably in the UK terms, the IRA, which were- Irish condu- Republican Army. Irish Republican Army, which were conducting, you know, terrorist bombings on mainland Britain, killing killing British citizens, um, killing at one point, you know, they attempted to assassinate the Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, and instead ended up killing a number and, and wounding um, a number of uh, senior politicians and, and their spouses- um, and, you know, and in a few days after that incident, Jeremy Corbyn, like, invited people associated with the IRA to the British Parliament. Um, so so it's not just about us, mm-hmm. right? Um, but within that, he has also historically been a fan of what was then the PLO during the, the 1980s. Um, and then um, after the rise of Hamas and Hezbollah, also associated them as being part of this anti-Western struggle. Israel is on the side of... America and Britain, you know, they're part of this Western, Western block. And therefore he's on the other side, whatever that side would be. Um, and you've seen, you know, pe- people like, like him and, and other people in that same political space were big opponents to Saddam Hussein in the 19, late seventies and early eighties when he was on the side of the West. And then as soon as Saddam Hussein became against the West, he became a fan of Saddam Hussein. So you have mm-hmm. this, this kind of, uh, this kind of journey. That's one piece, um, and that this group was always marginalised and, and out, out in the Labour Party. But slowly, over the course of thirty, forty years, it was able to move into centre
0: ground. I mean, you realise that from an outsider's <laughs> perspective, to be to have to have a major leader of a party have supported an enemy of your country while it was at war, mm-hmm. and now be the leader of one of the major parties, is really politically astonishing. Like the twenty-first yeah. century is super weird. Well,
2: right? How did how, how that happen? Basically, <laughs> yeah. like, Sure. Okay. So I'm actually gonna disagree here i think the weird thing is the 20th century because what you just said is so crazy that nobody believes it
0: mm-hmm.
2: like how could it be how could it be that like you know people think that this is a, what i said is a conspiracy because it sounds nuts and so so most of the fans of jeremy corbyn don't believe what i just said they think it's a lie mm. because it sounds like a lie like how could that even be true right. but you know but more interestingly in 2008 9 7 2004 5 um, say, even further back in the midst of, uh, of the, the second fire of terrorist attacks in Israel. Um, it was not uncommon for politicians in Europe, even not as far left as Jeremy Corbyn, to be associating with Hamas and Hezbollah types. Mm-hmm. That, that was something that happened. Well, they weren't um, only
0: calling for the murder of Israeli civilians. They were actively yeah. supporting yeah. Yeah, yeah, and actively involved support, in act, the act, murder act, of, of exactly. Israeli civilians. And,
2: and that was something that happened. And it wasn't very long ago. But now, if you when people say that Jeremy Corbyn did this, people don't believe it because it sounds so crazy.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Because no one would believe that someone would do that. So Especially <laughs> they, after
0: there have been terror attacks in yeah. the UK. But
2: but there have always been terror attacks in the UK as well. I mean, mm-hmm. you know,
0: that that that's not a new thing. Well, not necessarily Islamic terrorism. Not necessarily that's a more not necessarily recent
2: Islamic. Islamic, but you know, the the Israeli embassy and uh and the uh, Jewish agency headquarters were mm-hmm. attacked in nineteen ninety four by uh Right. bombings that enormous bombs thank god nobody was killed but um but is it fair for me to say that
0: brits basically felt like well that's against israel and the jews it just happens to be on our soil whereas car rammings and stabbings that have happened and, and and uh and you know bombings in the tube things that have happened that now the, the british themselves feel like they've been victims or...
2: i maybe i i think it's more complicated than that i think that the european experience in general is one of a certain amount of constant terrorism
0: mm-hmm.
2: um and it's something that um Americans and Israelis find hard to believe Americans because they haven't historically had that yeah. until recently and Israelis because Israeli's tend to think that we're the only ones that suffer mm-hmm. but actually like you know from like the 1960s onwards um there've been constant te- I grew up in England I uh, grew up in London and as A kid, there you were can't times, tell from your accent, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but as a kid, there were times I was told, you know, you shouldn't go to town because of because of bombings. There's IRA, mm-hmm. as we mentioned, the Irish Republican Army, or at one point there was a series of uh, racist nail bombings by a uh, by a neo Nazi mm. um that took place over a number of weeks. Um, and I remember growing up, we'd, we'd hear the bangs and we'd throw another bomb, you know, and and and, and you know, there is something that sometimes maybe we think that that's like a unique Israeli experience and Mm -hmm. it's different here. And it's Mm -hmm. different in a number of ways, but, but actually what I'm describing is not a unique European experience. If you grew up in France or Mm -hmm. Spain or Italy, you'd also have this experience with terrorists from the far left and from uh, anarchists and, He's the nice
1: USA are, also. Yeah. I mean,
0: so, uh, going back to the 1920s, but that's, yeah.
1: Let, let's return to the, yeah. uh, the, the yes. labor and Corbyn. Labor yes. Corbyn. How, how did that like, yeah. how, how did that happen? And that the person who was mar- so marginal yeah. and with such radical ideas mm. is now primed to potentially be the leader of uh, of the government and yes. and had, and
0: people within labor who've yeah. been more even uh, overtly anti Semitic yeah. who haven't been really partic- you know. Yeah haven't really been called out by the leadership. Okay. So you know how the butterfly beats its wings in the the Amazon?
2: Once upon a time, a member of parliament called Eric Joyce got drunk in a bar and punched somebody. Um, As a result of this, he left the party and and they had to have a special election for his seat. But there was a lot of meddling in that election by the unions. And as a result of that, Labour, in an effort to try and make things fairer, and to stop uh, to stop this kind of thing, they changed the rules on how um, how unions can interact with the party and how the leadership election worked. Essentially, they said instead of the, the, there being some kind of preference for the the current MPs to have a big choice over who the leader is, that they'd open it up to anyone, um, any member of the party, and anyone could become a like associate member for a very small amount of money, and they get to vote in the election. So. Jeremy Corbyn, a marginal figure in Labour who only got nominated because people wanted to widen the debate. He didn't have enough nominations to stand as leader on his own, you know, on people who actually supported him and who only decided to stand because the candidate they wanted to back was, uh, was pregnant and she didn't want the, the role. Um, it was kind of his turn. The far left always put up a candidate. Suddenly became this sort of figurehead for all of the various left-wing discontent in the country um were able to paint the rest of the party as you know secretly conservative right-wing traitors um they joined on mass and they elected him and over the course of the last four years say the majority of people who are currently part neighbor party members and it's a big party it's like nearly half a million people were not members when jeremy corbyn was elected they're there for him mm. so it's a different party um and by the way this is part of the problem when the anti-semitism row broke there was a particular incident on a campus in Oxford that, that led to this coming out where a couple of uh, people invo- Labour people involved in uh, student politics in Oxford were made some anti-Semitic comments to Jewish students. And there was an investigation and a report in it. Uh, but they were allies or political allies of Jeremy Corbyn's faction. So there was a lot of effort to protect them. Not because of anti-Semitism, because they wanted to protect those guys. But after that happened, all these other cases came out of the woodwork. Many of them were a long time before Jeremy Corbyn joined. People on social media who were current candidates or current councillors or whatever. Who'd, uh, who were overtly st- being anti-Semitic. Yeah, yeah who made straightforwardly anti-Semitic comments. Um, you know, Holocaust denial. You know, Jews have big noses. Anything well, you can imagine, right? Um, that's a fair call. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, and the party was very slow to act on these. Um, and then it became the Jewish community asked them to, they said, no, they said, or largely they said, we are, we're taking our time. We have processes, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and as this became more of an issue, as the media got involved, as there was a focus on it, something troubling began to happen, predictable, but troubling, which is that people who were already anti-Semitic begun to join the Labour party.
1: Mm.
2: Because once you know, this is the party that will, that will clamp down on the Jews, right? And if you're, an, if you're already anti-Semitic, it's the place you want to be and you want to defend your guy. So, so like, I, if you'd asked me at the beginning of this process, when Jeremy Corbyn was made leader, is Labour an anti-Semitic party? And I said, no.
0: Well, plenty of Jews were comfortable in Labour for yeah. generations, no? Yeah,
2: um, absolutely. And then there's another piece there if we wanted to talk, maybe we'll get there, more generally about the Jewish community's relationship with the government and, and like different governments over different parties. But they've historically been a lot of good. I mean, I my friends were at, at campus were Labour people. Some of those people are MPs now, mm-hmm. um, and the same has been true for a number of years, um, because the Labour Party grew used, used to at least grow its leaders on campus, and so mm-hmm. does the Jewish community, and so naturally there'd be friendships there. The Conservative Party doesn't grow its leaders on campus, so, so as it happens, so there's a you know it's not the kind of the same sort of relationship. Um, Anyway, so, so we kind of reached this point where and we've maybe seen it and without wanting to get too political, we've maybe seen it in other cases where a leader has a very loud online group of supporters who are also racists mm-hmm. and a leader who is unwilling or unable or somewhere in between to distance himself from those supporters. If that situation carries on for long enough and they just become your guys.
0: Right. That becomes a key part of your base that you need to rely on, so yeah. there's only so much you can turn on, yeah. on anti-Semitism because you need the anti-Semites to help you stay in power.
2: Yeah, perhaps the most extreme example of this. Which
0: is, thing. by the way, I think… Yeah honestly the best defense of jeremy corbin in yeah. other words well i don't know how anti semitic he, okay he's he's yeah. for terrorism against western yeah. things but i don't know how much yeah. he hates jews he just supports he just doesn't distance himself from anti-semitism because he needs their help politically yeah that's I mean,
1: the best case scenario i'd just like to make that note remind that that what Ari said before about his support of hamas and hezbollah yeah so, no no he hates
0: the west yeah. <laughs> I'm saying well, <laughs> but he Obama's doesn't have a particular issue with Jews. Yeah, you know. It's just that he needs anti-Semites to to, to keep his political power. That's yeah. your best case scenario of Jeremy Corbyn, which yeah. is which is awful, <laughs> yes, and terrifying. Yep, that he. I mean, I, I don't think I don't think the, the betting odds are that
1: he'll actually win, but he's got a shot. So, so, I don't know, so British Jews, That I'm hearing are actually afraid. That's what the media portrays is that is that is that accurate is that uh or is it media hype is it
0: what what would you how would you describe the mood shaken
1: yeah look there is
2: fear there i mean people talk about about you know do we need to leave the country um which i don't think is gonna happen i don't either um you know although you know look 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 look. (laughs) as as was pointed out la havdil la havdil um so, for those who don't follow that, that particular idiom, you know, not to compare or not, not to say they're the same it's thing. It's not fairly the same thing, but, 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 but just but, as but, a, yeah. But Jews didn't leave Nazi Germany. Yeah, you know, oh, and, uh, and not. Oh, that's actually not. I mean, quite m- mostly, mostly, no, that's mostly not quite
1: accurate. Fifty percent, fifty percent left, and oh, mostly sure. couldn't get but, out. But, but but
2: but, <laughs> but over the <laughs> over the course of seven or eight years, Jews tend not to. Leave. They, they didn't leave in nineteen thirty-three. Most, mostly, the vast so, majority uh, stayed. I do we'll to want to yeah, as as A huge laws, percentage sure.
1: actually did leave and then stabilized ah, and then they sure. did that try to yeah, leave. Yeah, but like, you know, but, certainly as the laws but, got
2: worse, but you know, on day one, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't a mass exodus, so was there? There was, there was a pretty,
1: between 1933 and 1935, there was mm. a, a huge uptake in emigration. Yeah. And that's why we also see the Fifth Aliyah, uh, a huge uptake in the Aliyah. Actually, with the Nuremberg Laws in 1935, there's actually stabilization because people uh, thought, "Oh, okay, I can deal with these bad now. laws. Right. That's what really these laws are set. Now I know how I can deal with it. I can live. I can I can live with this." Yeah, but I think and, arguing- then, after, and, then, and then and then and then of course Kristallnacht was, you yeah. know, a huge. Wait a second, it's but not but that, it's and late. there was a huge. Yeah, and, and, uh, and then didn't have anywhere to go. Fifty percent of Jews left okay. Germany between. Like thir- in the 30s, hmm. and many didn't leave either because they were older, they know it, to- and they know where to go. So, yeah, but as bad as, uh, Ari's
0: point is that Jews yes. tend to stay. Like that, that threat of again, oh, I got to get out of here. It's,
1: again, when do you leave? When do you make that move? The South African Jewish community, not because in the 70s, yeah. but but you know things are tough. When when do you make that move? How how much do you move? Yeah, right. Um, is is clearly well, not Alan, not yeah. do you think
0: Do you think after a Corbyn win, most of Jews of the UK will emigrate?
1: No, I I so you, I mean again I uh, I don't I don't think that things will mm. will deteriorate. You know, I do think that there's a stable democracy yeah. that's not going to you're not going to see situations like um so extreme it, again not not to compare, but I heard lots of people say who were anti uh, President Trump like oh if, if if Trump wins I'm leaving. Right? I'm going to Canada, I'm going to Israel and of course nobody left because it, you know even if things get a little bit worse in terms of your sense of security and safety which they did in America they have in yeah. the last 2 years yeah. people it doesn't really make people I mean to me it's that it's and, that you know, it's
0: that weird metaphor about I don't know why people have that metaphor about killing the frog Dropping in the boiling water, he'll jump out. But yeah. if you raise the temperature, yeah. degree by degree, yeah. that's a super creepy metaphor. Look, look again, again. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I Jew, think,
1: but that's Jewish migration. Like all migration, is pushed by two things: a push and a pull. Right? Yeah. How you know the pull is something's going to be better, and a push is how bad is it going to get? And so it's hard to determine how bad something needs to get till people actually that that takes. I, that I time. don't so. think people
0: who aren't Brits get how crazy it is that the chief rabbi told Jews not to vote Labour. Like yeah. in, like that from from my perspective from the uh, you know having grown up in the U S, hmm. that sounds like wow okay I guess it's serious but I I don't think most yeah. people realize that's unprecedented yeah. a statement like that why why Look, is it's
2: unprecedented in, in order to give such a statement he must have consulted widely he must have taken legal advice this wasn't just something he put out over the weekend you know right um, I I think I think there were a number of factors here um, one of which by the way was that several other rabbis had spoken out, including rabbis who were very much associated with, with like left-wing politics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Rabbi, rabbi Jonathan Romain, for example, who's a reform rabbi who is also uh, involved in the British Humanist Society and campaigns against Jewish schools. Um, you know, also like, earlier had said, you know, don't vote Labour. I think even more explicitly than... than mm-hmm. uh, nervous so so there was a context in which maybe people were beginning to look to him and say i'm not going to say that they were demanding it of him but at least that it was like would be less less inappropriate perhaps than if
0: he was if it was coming from nowhere the pressure was building up under him to break precedent because because chief i mean yes clergy don't usually get involved in politics as a policy not as just uh you know it's not yeah um look i i think that it
2: was i think it was as much as anything um i don't think it's going to change anybody's minds i don't think there was Mm. i know that maybe that's not true maybe there were people who were thinking who would think um i i'm worried about labor and anti-semitism but but my local member of parliament he or she is a good guy you Mm -hmm. know he's not going to cause you know and i'd rather he was there than not there so i'm going to vote for him um maybe maybe there are you know a handful of, of, of uh British Jews whose minds would be changed by by the chief rabbi's intervention, but I don't think that was what it was really about. I don't, I don't think it was about convincing anyone. I think it was about putting down a marker, about like being able to say that when it came to it, like you know, he was able to say he stood up and did the right thing. You know, mm-hmm. I, I get the sense it came from a from a place of like moral obligation, mm-hmm. um, and and I wasn't suggesting that by the way that those other rabbis meant that he had pressure on him, no, rather that right. he had the space to act. Mm-hmm.
0: You know that he 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 you know he wasn't. The context was created that made it appropriate for him to, even though it's so unprecedented. Yes. Uh, Well, I mean, that statement alone that that you don't think, even he thinks it's going to really matter practically, Mm. but that you sometimes have to put out a moral statement about what's wrong with the society is a terrifying marker of where we are right now. Mm. That things are so messed up that you can have a party with all of these racist, anti-Semitic problems Mm. and... They're gonna get a huge I mean they're gonna get close to
2: Yeah. Look, and, and who knows what can happen. The polls are narrowing. Um there are a range of of outcomes which include a landslide for Boris Johnson's conservatives to um to no-clear winner like we have here in Israel. In fact, like they have in the UK right now as mm-hmm. well. Um another hung parliament. Um and um and you know it's still ten days to the election um, at the time that we're recording this, and uh, you know things could change further still. So
0: that's not um, really a silver lining. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't. Yeah, yeah,
2: <laughs> that, that wasn't supposed to be the silver lining. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, look, I think the, the Jewish community but, is worried no, about the day it, after, no matter what happens. We're, we're, we know whether whether uh, Jeremy Corbyn, you know, loses heavily or narrowly loses or even, you know, wins. I think that there are worries in all, all camps.
0: Well, it, they should be shaken. This is, this is a very worrying sign. I think, I think, you know, we've spoken about this previously, that the the place of Jews in Western society is being questioned. And for 70 years, we had this sort of unquestioned place of Jews in Western, yeah. Western nation states. And today, it's not so simple again, in a way it hasn't been for almost a century.
2: Well, we're talking about silver linings. I mean, I I think you're right. But I think that the extent to which, at least on the discourse level, things which were acceptable, um, say, 5, 10, 15 years ago, are now no longer acceptable is is something heartening, you know? For example? For example, there are lots of people who had made statements which were, you know, transparently anti-Zionist and in at least the gray area of anti-Semitism that could at least at least the kind of thing you'd want someone to apologize for you mm-hmm. know even if they wouldn't necessarily have to resign things or things that were inappropriate but were just
0: accepted and now can you give an example of what sort of thing you mean or
2: well i mean of, obvious examples would be uh you know israel has no right to exist um The, uh, you know, Zionism is a force for evil in the world and must be destroyed. And people Um, can't say that today? And I think it's harder for people to, at least in the mainstream discourse, Mm -hmm. to say that today than it was. Because there's a
1: focus on it?
2: Because there's a focus on it, because there's awareness, because there's a bit more understanding of the issue due to, to, you know, the kind of the the media attention and the Jewish community's attention on, um, you know, what's been happening in labor.
0: Because in the um, U.S. that has entered the mainstream in a way that it didn't used to be acceptable in the U.S. You now have members of Congress saying that. Mm-hmm. You have Linda Sarsour, who's an yeah. open advocate, whose who's endorsement has been yeah. accepted by Bernie Sanders, a major mm-hmm. candidate, saying things like that. So that in the U.S. Mm-hmm. that used to be unacceptable and now it's becoming, it's slipping into the mainstream.
2: I, I question that a little bit. Like, I, I you know, haven't there always been, there's always been the kind of Cynthia McKinney's of the world. There's always been two or three nutty people of Congress. I guess what's the difference now is that it's this kind of like online popular movement that supports them. But those I, Congress I, people have always existed,
0: no? Uh, as a, 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 that's what partially makes it mainstream. In other words, the ability to have that conversation. Uh, you had, uh, what's his name from Ohio? That guy, that little guy who said pretty anti-Zionist mm-hmm. things. But, but, the, but the way you said it and the openness that you said it, and the fact that you were moved to the fringe and your voice mm-hmm. was pretty much shut yeah. down. Uh, is different today. I think it's yeah. more—it's a more comfortable environment to express anti-Zionism and defend it as not anti-Semitism, even though Jews feel it is. Mm. To say, Jews, you're wrong, you don't know what anti-Semitism yeah. is, is becoming part of the, you know, global conversation in a way that's...
2: Yeah. So I would say that the, the, the opposite process has actually happened in the UK hmm. on the whole. It's complicated because on the one hand you have these marginal nutcases have become more mainstream by being part of the sort of Corbynite movement. On the other, the mainstream itself has been more willing to say, no, this stuff isn't acceptable. So people who used to be what I would describe as on the soft left, say, or on the right for that matter, um, the, the, the like kind of paleo right rather than the, the like straightforwardly racist right, would say things like you know zionism is racism and zionism zionism is a force for evil and must be abolished i don't know those people wouldn't say that anymore like Hmm. they've been a bit more educated they have a bit more understanding of 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 like how that relates to judaism jewish identity and the jewish collective um so, so this is what i mean by silver linings um that like actually stuff that that you know that maybe was considered very mild by people in jeremy corbyn's camp once upon a time is now less acceptable than it used to be
0: um, and you do have a spirited, even from people who are associated yeah. with labor or even celebrities who are yeah. left-leaning, you know, you got you, Grant, knocking on doors. You have yes. people calling it out and saying, we don't want this in our society. Mm. I yes. guess that I guess that's a silver lining. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think so. But I think it goes back to what we were saying before, which is, um, not before, like in, in earlier episodes, and you mentioned it here now also, which is the idea that you know, the Jewish question is back in place. So, you know, it's just mm. part of the Jewish question, yes. right? So, of course, people are debating, oh, can we say this mm. about Jews or can't we say, it? oh, we can't say this about Jews. So that's a silver lining. But the fact that you're even having that debate, that, that right. is I mean, that's already... that's what the 19th, early 20th century yeah, were. That's like, already it, saying, wait, Jews are different on many levels. Jews are different than yeah. other other mm. marginalized groups or minority groups Jews are different than the 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 majority groups Jews yeah. are, like Jews are uh, once again stand in their complete own category right and that that is it's not that um, after the
0: Dreyfus trial all French people said Dreyfus should stay in in prison right. there was a vigorous defense that we should not treat him differently I because mean, he's Jewish and in fact he should he should be treated with justice. Although he's Jewish cause he's French, it doesn't it shouldn't matter. There was that side of the debate. That's why but there was a debate. That's right, why there was there a debate. Was a debate right? But through. there was a good chunk of France that said, no, 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 no. let's just let him rot in prison rather yeah. than put as So the the Jewish question isn't that nobody defends the Jews. Yes, exactly. It's that the Jewish role in society is 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 up for debate. Yeah. And I, there is a pro Jewish side of that debate. But the fact that it's being debated is what's changed over the last. Oh, yeah. uh, that hasn't. I just don't think the Jewish question has been actively debated, and it is again.
1: So, and that's what we, I think that that sounds to me like was what Ari is saying, and he's seeing the silver lining, which is yeah, true that there are people who, <laughs> there's uh, at least
0: there's a, it, at know. least there's a side to the yeah. Jewish question, <laughs> exactly. and not just an anti-Semitic side to debating the <laughs> <Yeah>. Jewish question. <laughs> is that the?
2: Yeah, look, look, I, I think we you're saying that there's something to it. Um, when I. F- Shortly after, or maybe it was just before, but it was clear he was going to win. Shortly after Jeremy Corbyn was elected, I, w- I was visiting the UK and I remember meeting with a couple of the big Jewish organisations there. And one of them said something that stuck in my head, um, which was, we don't want this to be about us. This doesn't need to be about the Jews. This isn't about the Jews. Let's not make it about the Jews. Um And obviously that didn't work, right? Um, Right. Because because it's become about the Jews. But but like the Jewish community did its best to not make this about the Jews. And I think that there is some kind of a feeling that like just we just don't want part of this anymore. We know like leave us alone, leave us. Yeah. You know that that I had someone, a couple of my friends. You mentioned this at the top of the show. This uh, video that talked, Labour put out, talked about minorities and didn't have Jews. I had friends who were like. You know, I feel bad uh, that I, that Jews aren't mentioned in this video, but maybe I'd feel worse if they were, because I just don't want to be talked about anymore. Leave me <laughs> alone. Um, and I don't want to be talked about by labor and by people who don't like me trying to use my image and my whatever. Uh, you know, just, we just don't want to be part of this debate. Let, let, let's go back to
0: normal. Um, <laughs> and I well, wonder if the last 70 years are, are <laughs> normal or if we've been in a bubble.
1: Right. I, mean, I actually just had a question that seems a bit... You know that we haven't talked about but what size is the Jewish community in the u k It's around quarter of a million um what percentage of that is the u k
2: oh, so there's about seventy million uh people in the u k so I
1: don't know a so small percentage thirty five percent I think have thirty five point not 35. yeah, yeah, 30 yeah. So, something like that
2: point. um it's like extreme, under one yeah. Yeah. yeah it's extremely like, geographically yeah. concentrated in um uh, in London. Uh, Manchester, Leeds, a little bit in Glasgow. Right. You know, one of so the other it's a places, tiny community. Really a tiny community. Um, you know, it, its voting power because of its geographical concentration is very limited as well. You know, mm-hmm. there are a handful of constituencies that the Jewish folk can swing. You know, five or right. six um, out of a parliament of six hundred and fifty. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, look. You know, Jews, as in many places are are. Active in public life, for success,
0: for a successful philanthropic, and so they're a conspicuous minority beyond their numbers.
2: Yes, and if you stop people in the street and ask them how many Jews there are in the UK, and, and I've haven't done this for a while, but I have done it in the past as you know part of a youth mm-hmm. movement exercise, people come up with huge numbers—you know, 10 million, 50 million. <laughs> ah.
0: Well, that's an old, yeah. I mean, yeah. In, in the Roman Empire, you have you have writers yeah. saying yeah. it must be one out of ten yes. Roman citizens is a Jew, which is impossible. But yeah. That's how it felt that's how it felt yeah that's that's unnerving yeah return of the jewish question is mm. uh, i think my yeah. read on this
2: yeah, yeah. And I, and look there are, i don't i think it's extremely unlikely that jeremy corbyn's going to win this election mm-hmm. um, and i think it's reasonably likely that when he loses he will shortly afterwards no longer be leader of the labor party mm-hmm. how many times can you lose and i know we're entering an era where all politicians are really old but like you know, mm-hmm. um, but what I, I've heard from 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 some British Jews is we don't want to be blamed
0: mm-hmm.
2: by by his supporters. You know, you're the reason why our guy didn't get elected, mm. and you know, in, in in the in the discourse, uh, 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 you know, political discourse, you're the reason for if this government cuts benefits and then people are poorer, you made them poorer, Jews. You know. You you uh, you put people homeless on the streets. Jews. You're already hearing some of this in campaigning, mm-hmm. not addressed in, in, in such stark terms. But you know, if you if you aren't prepared to put aside this, you know, the anti-Semitism issue. Yeah, I understand you care about that. But like, but think, think of all the poor people who suffer under the conservatives, or you know, think of the disabled people who won't get as good benefits. You know, the right. kind of standard things one side says against another in politics. So either um, way,
0: anti-Semites are gonna. This is going to be a springboard to. A retrenchment of anti-Semitic energy.
2: Yeah, and I think there's a real possibility for that. I mean, don't get me wrong; I think it'll be worse if he wins. Um, I'm not worried that a Jeremy Corbyn government will introduce anti-Jewish law, even anti-Israel laws, particularly. Mm. Right? You know, the uh, limit. He, his party policy is to have a limited arms embargo on Israel, but actually, the British government already has everything that he's planning to do, um, and has done for some time. Um, the um, but what that message will send to his supporters, that they will see it as a vote for them.
0: It's empowering. Yeah, it's Mm
2: -hmm. extremely empowering. It's, you know, all you people said that that we, the anti-Semites, were a minority, we were isolated, that we were wrong. And now look, the British people have given us a vote and we are in charge now. And I think you saw a little bit of that in the States um, without wanting to get into two comparison. Um, That like, I think it's hard to argue whatever your personal feelings are about the current president, that like there weren't a small minority of extreme racists who saw that vote as empowering for them.
0: So if Corbyn wins, Um, it's empowering to racists. And if Corbyn loses, it's empowering to racists because it'll raise their resentment.
2: Yeah, Uh, empowering to racists and giving them something to be angry about. I don't know. I think I'd rather give racists something to be angry about (laughs) than empower them on balance. So we'll take it. (laughs) All right, well, there's our silver lining, folks. (laughs) We We got it. (laughs) <laughs> all right, so
0: let's let's close it before uh, we get even worse news. But uh, look, I, I, all joking aside, it's it is it's a very disturbing moment for European mm-hmm. Jews and British Jews in particular, and I would say Jewish history that that the, yes. the, the, the mm-hmm. life in the West is becoming more complicated. Yeah.
1: yeah, thank God things are simple here in Israel. Yeah, Israel everything's <laughs> groovy.
0: All right, so thank you so much, RA, for explaining it to us and bringing us your perspective, which. We needed to sort of just get a deeper hold on what's going on before the election. So we really appreciate your time and insight. Thank Thank you, you. Alan. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. And thank you, Ben, for engineering us off campus uh, in our offices for this episode. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Macomb Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast. Don't forget to share, subscribe, rate, and review. Join us next time.